0: Last week we were speaking about how God was demonstrating His power and we spoke about creation and how at the breath of God and the Word of God that creation was spoken into existence. The universe and the vastness of it and how we're The more we're able to look through these telescopes, these Hubble telescopes and and the like, that we're able to see through universes to other universes, and that our our universe in the galaxy is so much more grandiose than we ever expected it was. And (laughs) yeah, there's a there's a um, a quote here by. John Piper, who is the founder and teacher of desiringgod.org and he's the chancellor of Bethlehem College and Seminary in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He says this. He says it is about the greatness of God, not the significance of man. You see, we like to think that we're at the center of everything you know and we get the feeling like we're pretty strong and and pretty capable people you know and but that's you know we may be within our own little circles of influence you know and God wants us to be that he wants us to be capable and and uh, influential if you will but when we consider ourselves in the scope of all the other things here this is what he says he says God made man small and the universe big to say something about himself. Okay? God made man small and the universe big to say something about himself. The more we find out about our universe, the smaller we feel. Really? And and, um, who is it? James Cameron, I think, is the guy. He he's uh, he does he did these deep sea dives and he's a, a producer and, and whatnot. Um, he was involved in, in the making of the movie The Titanic and, and these expeditions that were um, done to get footage uh, of the Titanic. And the farther we go down in in vessels similar to that, the farther the more we see how much there is to explore. That is has not been touched or explored. The more we find creatures that we didn't even know existed, creatures that live in the deep and and in the darkness, and yet they thrive miles, miles down into the water. Isn't that amazing? So we're still finding out more and more about this universe and this place that we live And and we talked about how if the sun, which is the closest star to our earth, this place that we live in, if that sun was to move just a little bit farther away, that the earth would crust over in ice because it's too cold. And, and conversely if we take if we were to take the the the, the star there our sun and move it closer to the earth than it is now then we would all be burnt up but that that sun that star was placed there for a specific reason by our creator the god that created the universe it's perfect Perfectly placed where we can live and function. Do you understand that? This is the God that we serve. This is the God that created us. He was not a God created by hands, carved out of a piece of wood. No. No. He is the God, the great I am, the creator of the universe. And we talked about in Exodus how God was displaying His majesty and His power and His authority over Pharaoh, who at the time was the greatest emperor whatever you want to call it, they were the greatest force on the earth at the time. And so God told Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to say to him, let my people go out into the desert, that why? So that they may worship me. And of course, Moses was a little bit sheepish about that idea right but god sends Aaron to him his brother and god speaks through them to pharaoh and he goes to pharaoh and he says this is what god says and now pharaoh they had they had many gods in egypt did they did they not many gods and so pharaoh just thinks this is just another god I am a God. You see, he was considered a God himself in Egypt. Okay? Let my people go that they may worship me. And if you don't, this is what's going to happen. And so Pharaoh, Pharaoh just laughs at it. You're telling me to let all these Hebrew people go when they're doing all this work for us? You've got to be out of your mind. And so he goes away and tells Moses, Strike the water of the Nile, and all the water in Egypt will be turned to what? To blood. Not only in the Nile, but all the streams and rivers and ponds and lakes, and even the water in jars, all of it was turned to blood. And all the fish in these waters died. Goes back again. Let my people go, that they may worship me. (laughs) Whatever. I'm not letting nobody go. I'm the one that's in charge here. So he sends frogs. Frogs up out of the waters, all up into the palaces and into the... Bedrooms and even it says into the beds of the people of Egypt. Okay, can you imagine into your bed? You're tired at night. It's dark. You go. You flip back the covers. You lay down in your bed. Frogs are jumping all over the place. I don't imagine they got much sleep. You think? You hiding under the covers after you clean them all out. And then so on. And it continues. Gnats and flies. And then so And each time, I'm not letting them go. But God was making a distinction between himself, the great I am, and the gods, the other gods of Egypt. And he was also making a, a distinction between the people of Egypt and the people of God. You see, there's a, a big difference. When God's presence is involved, things change. And Pharaoh's thinking, these people belong to me. No one is going to take them away from me. And God says to him, you think that you are in charge But I have raised you up for this very purpose to show who I am. To show who I am. So all the fish died. Then come the frogs. Then come the gnats and the flies and and all of these things. Egypt became a very stinky place. All of the the livestock of egypt died because of the plague that was sent by god himself all the livestock again stinky and so god was making a proclamation about himself Then the plague of the hail. Anything that was left out in the fields, person or beast, would be killed by the hail that came by the hand of God. Then it came the boils, the sores on man and beast as well. And it just keeps getting worse and yet Pharaoh relents. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. The Bible says, why why would God harden Pharaoh's heart? Because he had not yet finished displaying his power and his might. You see, God was making a statement to that generation and to all future generations. And here today, thousands of years later, we're reading what God did. God had a plan and a purpose in it. He was demonstrating his power. He is the king of the kings. He is the Lord of all the lords. He is the God above every other God. Friends, that's the God that we serve today. He's the God that we serve. We don't serve a wishy-washy God Remember we were talking about Hulk, right? And in the movie The Avengers, wasn't it, or something like that? He says he says to Loki, and Loki says to him, I'm a God. And Hulk grabs him, he just bats him all over the place. Wimpy God, he says. Our God is not a wimpy God. Then came the locusts that devoured everything in the field. Then came the plague of darkness for three straight days. No one could leave their houses. And it was darkness, the Bible says, in verse 21, that could be felt. Darkness that could be felt. Then came the plague on the firstborn. The plague of the firstborn. And this plague, in all essence, breaks the back of Pharaoh. In chapter 11, verses 1 through 8, Now the Lord had said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. And when he does, he will drive you out completely. Tell the people that men and women are alike alike are to ask their neighbors for articles of silver and gold. The Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people. And Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. So Moses said, this is what the Lord says, about midnight I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die. From the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the slave girl who is at her hand mill, and the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse there, worse than there has ever been before or ever will be again. But among the Israelites, here's that distinction again not a dog will bark at any man or animal as if there would be an alarm of some sort, some sort of reason to worry. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. All these officials of yours will come to me, bowing down before me and saying, go, you and all the people who follow you. After that, I will leave. Then Moses, hot with anger, left Pharaoh. Now, I I thought about this for a while, and I was wondering why it says, and it doesn't give a reason here, why Moses is hot with anger. Now Moses, let's think about this a little bit. Moses knows Pharaoh personally. Okay? He was raised in the Pharaoh's house, remember? Okay? You remember how this happened. Pharaoh was worried that there was beginning to be too many of these Hebrew people, these Israelites that are going to take over the place. And so he says that every firstborn son must be killed. And so Moses' parents hid him, remember? They hid him for a number of months till they couldn't do that anymore, till he was growing too big. And so you remember, they put him in a basket... And they set him adrift on the Nile River. And the basket drifted to the place of Pharaoh's family. And she takes him in. And she raises him in the palace of the Pharaoh as her own child. And yet this is a Hebrew child. And this child grows up to be Moses. All the best education, all the best clothing, all the, and so on it goes. But Moses saw, as an adult, he saw one of his fellow Hebrew people being beaten by an Egyptian, sla- uh, an Egyptian slave master. And Moses goes and beats that guy up, kills him, and then has to flee to the desert. You remember this story in Sunday school? Okay. Okay. And so Moses is now coming back and giving a message to Pharaoh. So, And it says, Moses, hot with anger, left Pharaoh. I wonder, and I'm completely just speculating, but I wonder if Moses was angry that it had all come to this. That would make sense to me that Moses would hope that Pharaoh would relent after maybe one of the first two plagues, you think? So that God would not have to do so much damage. I wonder if that was the case. Maybe Moses didn't want Pharaoh to have to suffer so much. Who knows? Maybe he's angry that Pharaoh did not relent and just give up and just let the people go so this would all end. God was not finished showing his might to Egypt, to Pharaoh, and to the rest of the world. And so now, one of Pharaoh's family, which would be relation to Moses. Okay? So... It really kind of paints a bit of a picture here, what could have been the case. And so, Passover. And so, what happens is the Lord tells the people make your bread, but make it without yeast. There's not going to be enough time. He says, I want you to take a a goat or a lamb, and I want you to sacrifice it, and I want you to take the blood of that, and I want you to spread it over the doorpost of your house. He says, I'm going to send an angel of death tonight. In every house that does not have the blood of this lamb on the doorpost of their house, will lose the firstborn son. And so all of the Israelites did what the Lord commanded, and all of Egypt did not. And so the death angel comes, and all of the firstborn of Egypt were struck down. In verse 29 of chapter 12, it says, At midnight the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on the throne, to the firstborn of the prisoner, who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock even as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and all the Israelites. Go worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said and go. And he finishes with this. And also, bless me. Bless me. It just seems like such an odd thing, doesn't it? That he would say to Moses, this guy, he's kicking out all of his people. Don't forget to bless me. I know that the power of God is on you. Bless me. And so all of Egypt, or all of of the Israelites leave Egypt. And we celebrate the Passover to this very day for this reason. When we celebrate Easter and, and, and we talk about the the death of Jesus on the cross. All of Israel and Jerusalem were celebrating Passover at that time. You remember when Jesus came on the donkey, right? And all the people were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna! They were celebrating Passover. The Passover, the death angel passed over the houses that had the blood of the Lamb on their doorposts, Friends, do you have the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of your house? And I'm not talking the physical building that you're living in. Do you have the blood of Jesus Christ, the perfect spotless lamb, on the doorposts of your heart? Do you follow the importance of that? This God, this powerful, powerful God that did all of these things, created the universe is the same God that lives in us right now. Right now. It's the same God who heals the sick. The same God who raises the dead. The same God. That lives in you. It's that same power. He hasn't changed any from then. That same power lives in you. Have you received it? Have you received the power? Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18, and 19, the Great Commission, we call it, when Jesus sends out the disciples... And he says, go into all the world. But before that, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, because of this, go. Go into all of the world, making disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. The same power. In Exodus chapter 13, so Moses and all of the Israelites are now leaving Egypt, probably more than a million strong. And so they go out and they're On their way into the desert, they're completely dependent on God. Completely. And as they're walking and all their family and all their herds, all their belongings are with them, Pharaoh says, what have we done? What have we done? As if we thought it was all finally over. God had not finished displaying his might to the world and to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt and, I might add, to Israel. Remember, they have been enslaved for 430 years. 430 years. And so as they're traveling, God is leading them by a pillar of cloud by day, the Bible says, okay? So a pillar, you know, you've seen a house before and they got the big pillars in the front, right? And so God is leading all of Israel in the front by this pillar of cloud. So God has formed this cloud into the shape of a pillar somehow, some way, naturally, I might add, okay? Because that's how God does things. He's using his creation to fulfill his will so now he's using something that he has created the clouds nature to lead the people and at night they were still walking he led them by a pillar of fire okay and so they're walking out into this desert pharaoh meanwhile back at the ranch pharaoh is changing his mind and he's like what have we done why did we let all the people go what were we thinking get my chariot ready get about 500 more ready let's head out let's go get them and so they do and they head out there now mind you can we have do you have that map So what ends up happening is, so you can see. Now I was I had a different one, but what you can see here is this is the Great Sea. This is not where I'm looking. I'm looking for the Red Sea. If you can get me a picture of the Red Sea, it's got these two ears on the end of it, and so they're kind of hemmed in in their travels. They're hemmed in by the desert. And in front of them is the Red Sea. And so as they're walking, they turn and they see all of these chariots. The armies of Egypt, all of it, is coming after them. They got nowhere to go. What are we going to do? Moses, what are you thinking? Why didn't you listen to us when we said, just leave us here, it's better to be slaves and live than to come out into the desert and die. And here we are. And here comes Pharaoh's army, and we're all going to die now after all this. Why did you do this to us, Moses? It's your fault. And so they're facing the Red Sea. Where can we go? And what did God say? Stretch out your hand, Moses. Strike the waters. And the waters are going to part. And you're going to go through this water onto dry land to the other side. You're going to go through these waters. Can you imagine these million and some odd number of people behind Moses, and they're all pointing their finger at him. Moses, this is your fault. Now what are we going to do? You got us into this. You get us out. And so Moses obeys, and he strikes the waters. And the waters part right In the face of the Israelites. As the Egyptians are coming after them in full force. And they all walk through on dry land. And they all walk out the other side. It's just like this is the Red Sea right here. And these million strong Israelites are walking through with their animals, their children. All their belongings, everything they got, is with them. They're walking through the sea on dry land. And then, once they're on the other side, here comes Pharaoh and all his army, all his chariots and all the horses, and they just come in right after him. They're catching up now. We're almost there. They can taste it. God causes the waters to go back to their place and swallowed up the whole army, the whole army of Pharaoh. God was showing His power, showing His love for the Israelite people. This Same power, friends, is the same power that is living in us if, if we receive Jesus, the Son of God, the sacrifice, the the perfect spotless Lamb, if we receive Him as our Lord and Savior. You know, sometimes even though we're Christians, we lose sight of the fact of how big God is. Would you stand with me today? I don't know what you may be facing in your life today. I don't know whether you're facing something that's physical a medical problem maybe a family problem maybe you've made some bad decisions in your life and they're finally catching up to you how many of you know that happens (laughs) you make bad decisions and they eventually catch up to you i don't know where you stand today but the lord knows he knows what you're up against he knows where you live where Satan has his throne the Bible says. He knows the place that we live. He knows the things that we are up against. And sometimes it seems hopeless. And sometimes we're left and we just we don't know where to go. We don't know what to do. We've tried everything and nothing's working. And I want to tell you today, and I want you to hear, God wants you to hear these words. God wants you to see how he acts in the lives of those who are trusting in him. The Bible says, those who trust in me will never be disappointed. Are you trusting in the Lord? Where is your hope today? What are you putting your hope in? Are you putting your hope in your ability to make good decisions? Don't do it! Don't do it! Are you putting your hope in the strength of your body to be able to get you through any difficult times that come? I was there once. I was a strong young man. And in a matter of months, I couldn't work anymore. As a matter of fact, my young children and my wife had to run my whole household. And I was flat on my back. Surgery after surgery, pill after pill, doctor after doctor, Cleveland Clinic. It was endless. And I was powerless to change any of it. I want to tell you it's a scary place to be but i want to tell you i wouldn't trade that for one minute because god taught me something there when i was in the fire of affliction god was teaching me some things friends he was teaching me how to trust in him he was teaching me how to rely on him he was teaching me how to eat out of his hands when nothing I could do would change anything. I was a mess. I was depressed. I was an addict of all the medications that I was on. I tell you that truthfully. And I couldn't do anything about it. I was completely dependent on God. But I want to tell you, When you're there God just shows himself so strong It's like you're up against the Red Sea You're up against the Red Sea And you got nowhere to go And here's Pharaoh and all his army And they're coming after you And that's the way it feels And you've got no hope But God himself And if he don't come through You're done for Friends He'll come through I promise you. You put your trust in Him and He'll come through. Come mm-hmm. The Bible says that the righteous will live by faith, not by sight. and that is so true. If we live by sight, we're always looking at what, what's going on around us and our circumstances. And we get afraid because all the world is closing in. We're like Peter who had gotten out of the boat and we're walking on the water to Jesus, and all the waves start coming across. And he focuses his eyes off of Jesus and onto the waves. That's when trouble begins. Peter went down into the water. Jesus reached out. Where's your faith, Peter? Come on. All of these trials are challenges and opportunities for God to show his strength and his power in your lives. He did it to me. He'll do it for you. He did it for all the Israelites. Over and over and over and over, God has demonstrated his power and his authority. The only thing that changes anything is are we trusting in him? Are we believing are you trusting in Him today? Are you believing in Him? I want to sing that song again, Mighty to Save. That is just such such a fitting song because that's our God. That's our God. He's, he's mighty to save. Whatever problem you're in, if you're sinking, if you're sinking and all the waves are crashing over you, And your house is crumbling and you thought you made the best decisions you can and your house is just crumbling what a mess what a mess and it seems that there's no hope there is hope there is hope for you today in the name of jesus what will you do is the question what will you do with this jesus I don't care if you've been a Christian all of your life or if you've never even received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. God is giving you an opportunity today. God is speaking really loudly to us. And he wants us to know the power that he has. He wants us to involve him in our lives. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. How many times do we do that? Don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him. Include Him. And He will direct your paths. Friends, God's Holy Spirit is calling you today. Come. Lay down your burdens, the things that you're carrying, the weight that is on your shoulders. Come right now and lay it down here at the feet of the Lord.